Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. As always, I've got another amazing guest this week for season four. Uh, Landon Porter himself is in the house. The sales gorilla is completely killing it. And I can tell you this guy has a legendary beard, so it's freaking awesome. Um, first things first, house rules and house call. Head on over to iTunes, rate us, you know, give us stars, comment. That stuff always helps out the show. Uh, also, share this if you love the show and go to, you know, my site and listen to the other ones because they're all awesome. Quick sponsor shout out for everyone listening in today. As always, we're sponsored by AdelaMarcy.com. We're also sponsored by the AbrasiveEntrepreneur.com. My buddy Shane is giving away a bunch of stuff on Facebook psychology and how ads are written because that guy kills it. And uh, apparently we're sponsored by uh, Landon's dog as well because he just totally had to get a shout out in today as well. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, that's awesome. I love Shane. I'm glad you brought him up. Oh, Shane's a dude. I'm glad that you guys are friends. Um, so shit, we have like more stuff to talk about. Um, nope. also more importantly, we're sponsored by uh Landon's group as well, which is Facebook.com/forward/slash/GorillaJuice. J U I C E, as in like the drink. Go check it out. It's fucking awesome. And what we're going to share with you guys is going to be it's going to be brilliant. It's going to blow your fucking mind. So without further ado of me yabbering on, dude, thank you for being here. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me on the show. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, it's going to be brilliant. It's going to be a bunch of fun. And I think we t- I tried to get you on some time ago, but like... Uh... There was a there was a scheduling conflict, I think, on both ends. Yeah, it's it's kind of one of the... Um, one of the weird moments in life where you're like, yeah, let's totally do this. And then it's like, wait, no, yes, maybe what? No, I'm taking a hiatus. Can we do this the next season? And essentially is what it is, but I'm kind of glad you're here because the last couple of episodes before this one, um, we had guys like Justin Devonshire on and Caleb O'Dowd who are both like badasses in their own field. And of course we've got you in and we're just adding the craziness to season four right now. And everyone's going to like lose their fucking mind. If we can get the last two guests I have in mind for later in the year. Um, but yeah, anyway, back to the whole thing of the fun stuff. You've essentially built a career as far as I know of letting people just be their weird ass selves, just mm-hmm. being authentic. Now, how the hell did you get into that? Because something I have a problem with, a problem with when I'm writing, for uh, myself, not for my clients, but for myself, like on Facebook and stuff, I cannot seem to let that weird little motherfucker come out as much as I want. <laughs> well, um, since you brought up Shane, let's bring up Ben. Um, yeah, there's there's some really interesting things about his character that really separate him from everybody else in his space, and one of those things is him just being his weird ass self. Um. Just for a side note for everyone listening, he's talking about Ben Settle. We've had Ben on the show. Go back and listen to that episode because Ben is fucking awesome. So please continue. Sorry, I just had to like clear that up so people actually know who they're on about. So where I came up with that is I've always kind of had that um, if you don't like me, go fuck yourself tone, Mm -hmm. right? As As a kid in late elementary school and junior high, as I'm sure we all do, we're weird and we don't want to be not liked. And uh, one thing that I noticed is when I just didn't care what other people thought, mm-hmm. the people that did care about me began to care more and more and more about me. And that's just translated through everything. In fact, I've, I had a 15-year sales career that kind of started this whole thing, which I'm sure we'll get into. But about halfway through that, I was like, ah, I fucking hate my clients. 
And it came out as I hate you when I was looking at myself in the mirror one day on the way to work. And uh, what it turned into was I wasn't being myself and I was just closing anybody I could. And then that really set me on this path of those who matter don't mind and those who mind can go jump off a cliff. Yep. That that sounds awesomely true because I think nearly everyone's gone through that. My entire high school career was so different to yours. Mine was like, I kind of want everyone to like me, but at the same time, they can go fuck themselves because I have my own shit going on. Uh-huh. Always the yep. fun dichotomy of being a child. It really just lends to that whole thing that high school never really ends. Right. Uh, so much more fun. But okay, so with that being said, ha- tell me about your like sales career because you did it for 15 years. Like, I swear to God, you saying that makes me like want to question how old you are. <laughs> I turned 40 in October. Okay, you you weirdly ageless motherfucker. I hate you. What is your secret? Um, not giving a fuck. <laughs> Pretty much about the truth that it could be. <laughs> scotch and pipe tobacco. Yeah, um, it sounds bad. The scotch sounds good. The pipe tobacco I'll pass, but you know, scotch me right. up, buddy. <laughs> yep. So straight out of high school, my college was I went and became a chef, like full-on ACF apprenticeship. It was actually like I got a college degree working in a five-star hotel. And it was awesome. I love to cook. I'm an eater. I love food. But nights, weekends, and holidays don't work for raising kids. So about eight years into that, I spent a summer with an uncle of mine, family friend, long time, selling high-end sports cars, like from home, like, you know, a wholesaler. And uh, that turned into real estate for almost five years, about four and a half years, saw the crash coming. And then I got into business to business finance, selling credit insurance and everything all the way down to collections, asset management globally for about 10 years. So that's the, in a nutshell, my sales career. That's incredible. It was nuts. What's interesting is, is learning how to cook was, uh, the hotel that I worked in was built in like 1892 and all of the kitchen is like in the basements. It's 120 degrees and humid and you're running like a lunatic mm-hmm. 10 hours a day, right? It's nuts. And I love to cook, but after a while I hated the job. And then I got into sales and each step of that, after a while I got to a point where I hated my job and it all comes down to the, the people, the relationships. Mm-hmm. To go back to a thing you said, you know, you find it hard to let that weird little fucker out. Well, look at everybody we follow. Based on some of the people you've mentioned, I would imagine we follow some of the same yeah. other big people. And they're all preaching quality over quantity. I mean, what's the purpose of ascending somebody through your sales process to get the highest quality fuckers out because they're the ones you can have the most impact? They're also the ones that spend the most money. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Well, by being your weird ass self, you naturally pull out the people that just totally resonate with you. Yeah. Okay, so my question here is, and this is something that is completely personal, so everyone listening to this, take notes if you want, but I'm, I've got this guy on the call, so screw it, I'm just going to take advantage where I can. Best cool. thing about having a podcast, really. Mm-hmm. Um so how the hell did you actually find your own voice? Like, that is something that I know for a fact. I've spoken to a couple of badasses and they're awesome. They've all said to me the exact same thing, including Shane. He's like, dude, for the love of God, voice, find right. it. And it's kind um, of like a side note before we jump into this, because I, I did want to tell you this, because I think you'd find it hilarious. 
is the fact that Shane's voice for me is that he's now called me a fuzzlim. <laughs> I am a fuzzy Muslim because I'm both fuzzy and Muslim. And he's a fuzzy as well, so it's all good, and so are you, to be honest. Uh, uh-huh. But now I'm actually known as the good-looking fuzzlim Wookiee in our group. That's fucking rad. I'm still going to send him that in a message, and he's going to be like, damn! <laughs> You're talking to Adam? What's really right. weird, like, right before, like, we got on this podcast, like, 15 minutes ago, I was actually sending Shane a message going, yeah, I'm going to be interviewing this Landon guy, uh, what do you think, what's happening? Because I didn't know you guys knew each other, because he was asking what I was up to. I was like, then after that, I have to write the post, and I'll send it over to you before I mail it out. So, oh, yeah, definitely do that. Awesome. Such, yeah, that's cool. Such a fucking hilarious dude. Uh-huh, yep. Six degrees of separation, right? Yeah, not even that many with us. It's kind of cool. So, yep. with finding your voice, like, how did... Not just how did you do it, because, you know, you've been a badass for absolutely ages, but, like, how did you get others, like, your business clients, how did you get them to start finding their own voice and being comfortable with it? Sure. It is really this. Most people think they need permission to be themselves. Here's your fucking permission. Be your weird-ass self. And understand that to the extent that you do that, there will be people that don't like you. But by proxy, there will be many other people that really not only like you, but love you. And when people understand that, and then there's some analogies that I use that that kind of help them understand that, here's the bottom line. When you're doing business with a client, you're essentially going from, hi, you're good looking. We just had the eyes meet across the bar. Now we're talking and we're going to have breakfast tomorrow morning and then like in two or three days, I'm going to take you home to meet my family. That's essentially what having a client is. You're engaged, if not getting married. If you don't like the person on the other end of that, that really sucks. Yep. The only way that you can really get the other person on the end of that relationship that you actually like is through relatability, natural relatability, not manufactured like a salespeople can do, but true attraction and relatability. How do you do that? Well, the only way it works is by being exactly who the fuck you are and owning what's cool about you, what's weak about you, what's awesome about you, and what's weird about you. And then fucking showing the world that. Give other people the ability to push against that and really understand what you're about and make their own decision if you're for them or not. That's how you do it. Awesome. Take notes. Ladies and gentlemen and children of all ages, that is actually quite true. And just a heads up on the whole hatred thing. You will get that. You will get people actually unfriend you. And that's the best thing in the world. Um, Because I've been experimenting with this on my mailing list. Um, I think I wrote an email called Just Therapy around the end of November, which kind of detailed why I don't mail my list all that often anymore. I was like, yeah, I know. Some of you hate me. Some of you love me. Blah, blah, blah. This is the reason why all the shit has gone down this in like 2017. And the response I got back was I had two people cuss me out and I had about 50 emails reply back saying, oh, shit, no way, that's pretty cool. Now, what's the reason why 50 is kind of a fun number is my list is only like 400 people. Wow, that's and, amazing. And even like from that, I think only 120 people opened it. So I was like, all right, that's 52 responses from 120 people. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fun stuff that. So kind of like jumping off that point, though, what are some of the key qualities that you actually find? Because, again, sales is true like seduction, but it's like seduction times 100% follow through. Like 
finding clients is the seduction part. Meeting them, getting married, meeting the family and whatever. It's like a week. It, it takes a week to get to there and then you're, you're into them. Mm-hmm. But it's that process of finding those clients. How do you actually get around doing that? Like, what do you do with that? This is actually where I fit in the marketplace. Everybody is trying to go get clients, right? Check this out. Getting clients is fucking easy. Learning how to be a salesperson and go find people, we call that prospecting, and then have conversations with them to run them through your filters and then sell them on the fact that they need your shit is a really fucking hard process. I know because that's what I did. That's what I was paid to do. Getting clients is fucking easy. Whether you like this guy's name or not, Gary V kind of is the personification of the easiest, fastest way for coaches, consultants, and business owners to acquire clients. What the fuck do I mean? Well, if you can just be your weird ass self and you're good at the fucking thing you do, you build a presence which creates awareness that establishes authority and people come out of the woodwork to work with you. Now, in there, there's this totally buzzy little word that most of us that actually do this think is kind of stupid. It's a fucking funnel. It's a relationship funnel. It's a personality funnel based on your public profile, where your ideal clients hang out, and then you are demonstrating the awesomeness about what it is that you do for them. We can, fuck, this is a giant rabbit hole, but here's the deal. Let's go down the rabbit hole. Okay, so you can go gather names, phone numbers, email addresses, and you can reach out to people. Why would you fucking do that? You're a business owner. That's why us marketers use things like a lead magnet, driven traffic from an ad. The lead magnet captures the people that think they might be interested, and then we send them shit in their email. You can do the same thing on social media. Awesome. You can do the same thing with a phone. Why would you spend your fucking time doing it manually when you can automate it? Cool. Well, we've all got social media. I don't care what your opinion is on social media or how much you do and don't want to do on social media. Here's where it's going. The internet is a fucking TV and everybody is their own channel. Well, guess what? If you can put a really simple funnel together through your profile, build a relationship through that process, allow them the ability to qualify themselves out of your world. By the time they ever get on your phone or in your email box or in Messenger or in LinkedIn, guess what? They've got their hand raised. I know what it is. I know who you are. I want the thing. I know how much it costs. Where do I put my money? And then you have a really short yes conversation, which is totally easier than a sales conversation. Does that make sense? Entirely, and also you may hear my cat being an asshole in the background, so everyone chases awake. Welcome I've back got, to the show. I've got two assholes. I mean cats, so I get it. <laughs> You've got two assholes. It totally is. It, it's interchangeable between cats and assholes, let's be honest. It's uh-huh. a synonym. Yep. But no, that makes complete sense. Um, why wouldn't you automate a process? One. And two, I'm just going to backtrack a little bit. I Do it to didn't it. hate the fucking word funnel until like... 2016-2017. Mm-hmm. I actually loved the word funnel. It was so easy to explain. What do you do? Well, we help people get through the sales process. The best way we can put it is like a big funnel. We put all the shit at the top and funnels down the stuff that you want at the bottom. That's how mm-hmm. you do it. 
And then everyone buzzworded the shit out of it. And then you're like, oh, great. You build funnels. How long have you been in business? Two mm. weeks. You don't know <laughs> shit, motherfucker. Go to the back of the line. Yep. So from a sales guy standpoint, like legitimately, I was paid to hammer the phone, right? The, mm -hmm. We use the phone and data to go mine for clients. And um, what we did, a fucking cold call close, if you got that, was in and of itself a sales funnel. If it took three calls, that's still a sales funnel. If it was an 18-month long sales process because they had a pre-existing contract, guess what? That's still a sales funnel. If you add emails back and forth to those prospects, guess what? It's still a sales funnel. If you meet one of those fuckers at Starbucks, it's still a sales funnel. But we've got to put little boxy names on all these things so people go, oh, that's the thing I need to learn how to do. You ever built a relationship? That's a fucking sales funnel. Yep. You ever asked someone out on a date? Yep. Fucking sales funnel. Just anything you do is a fucking funnel, you assholes. Sorry, I'm, I shouldn't really be that mean to people, but nah, fuck it, I already am. Let's be honest, I'm British. Most of the stuff that comes out of my mouth is mean. People just take it as being funny because of my face. That's and, why I get along with you fuckers from that side of the pond. There's a bunch of you in my world, and I love most of you. That's what we do. We're weird and awesome and slightly deranged. And we have excellent beards. Let's be honest. Let's just give it up. British people, we grow a beard that's kind of impressive. Except mm -hmm. for the Northerns. They don't know what they're doing. Fuck them. But anyway, <laughs> getting off the topic of beards. Um, yeah, that's actually quite an interesting thing because like, for a really long time, trying to explain to people that it doesn't matter how long it takes to get the sale, most people, like 90% of the people that you actually will end up doing business with come like three months after they first know you. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the reason for that is they need, they need more touch points with you and it's stupid but it works. I mean, yeah. This goes back to my be your weird ass self piece, right? The no like, the no like trust thing is really for, for 98% of the, of your marketplace, it's going to be between seven and 12 touch points, right? How do you do that without spending all your time doing that? We have the internet use it. Right. And then if you're just your weird ass self, that no like and trust is built on relatability, which is you being you. It works so much easier than trying to, you know, yes, if you're a salesperson, if you can copy speak or if you're a copywriter and you can write copy, then fucking do it. Knock it out of the park. But be yourself doing it or be your client when you're doing it for them. Yep. It's something that I do what I've been doing a lot more of because I've been posting more about my own shit for the last couple of months. It's been working out. One of the people that inspired me was George Carlin mm -hmm. because uh, I'm a former comedian. Like that was a, that was the career I actually had that went quite far um, to the point that I actually performed in New York. Flew no shit. New York. Yeah. I flew out to New York. I opened for a couple of big comics that I'll actually tell you about after the show and stuff. But um, one of the things that I love doing is most of my comedy is based on the fact that I'm brown and the amount of shit I get into about being called a terrorist on a day-to-day -day basis is hilarious to me. I mean, my opening, I'll tell everyone here, if you guys have heard it, cool. But my last stand-up special I did, which is in 2013, was called 40, uh, 50 Shades of Brown. <laughs> Because Fifty Shades of Grey come out, and I was like, "Wait, hold on! I'm mostly Indian. I'm Arab. I'm 
black African Tanzanian, and I'm Sicilian. That is a lot of brown hairy people in there. Holy shit balls! Yeah, so I'm like, fuck it, Fifty Shades of Brown is my show, and uh, this is just shortly after like my ex fiance and I had broken up a couple of weeks before, like you know, tying the knot, and what we did was uh, what I did. Sorry, was um. Barely one second, the asshole's done something. Be back in just a moment. Come down. There we go, and we're back. So essentially, like, my whole thing just opened up with um, me going on stage. And the opener for that night was... You know when you go on stage and everyone, like, applauds, applauds you and stuff? It's like, oh, hey, welcome to the show, blah, blah, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um... So I got, like, went on stage, and I was like, hey, welcome to the show, Adela Marcy. I come on stage, and I'm like, okay, guys, I'm really depressed right now. And you have to imagine, my hair was down to my shoulders, and I had a big-ass beard. I looked like a fucking hipster Jesus. That's essentially what my, that was basically the handle I went with. I went on stage. I'm looking depressed as fuck. I'm like, guys, can you get a round of applause? Because I was supposed to get married three weeks ago, and I just got, we broke up six weeks ago. Wow. So I was like, yeah, so not in the best place, but also at the same time avoid the fucking bullet um so something that we did was so as i went on stage literally the first words that came out of my mouth were who has seen speed like mm-hmm. a round of applause and everyone like you know gives you a round of applause cheer you up and shit like that it was like great so i'm brown slightly inspired by that movie so i put cheer bombs under all your seats and that clapping just activated it so if you guys don't laugh at my jokes tonight you die Oh my god. That was my opening line. Now, Do I have your attention now? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, right? When I went to, um, when I was flying out to New York to actually do the same joke there, but like a completely different version so it wasn't as morbid, uh, I was going through and the, I, I fucking hate the fact that my laptop got stolen last year, like my place got broken into and I lost it because I had the footage on there. Um, I went on, I was flying through TSA, again, long hair and shit, and I'm in New York, and there's, just to give you an idea, there's seven comedians that went out from the UK. There was me, a black guy called Steven, and another guy called Carl. Carl is fucking key, because he's a white dude from over here. We're flying over, we're, you know, bonding with your fellow comedians, all this other bullshit. And literally what he says is just killer. He he com- he tells, like, he tells us, it's his birthday, because he tells us that his biggest fear is Chucky because of his little brother. Um, always, like, scaring him in the middle of the night because there's, like, a year difference between them. I was like, that's fucking weird, but okay, whatever. Um, and our handler flying over actually looks at us and says, guys, no jokes when you go through TSA, please. You will get deported. Doesn't matter. And he goes, Adelaide, I don't want to be a racist, but you're going to stand out like a fucking sore thumb. So just basically, best British voice would be really cool. Answer their questions. Go in normally. You'll be fine. I might have been to New York before. It's fine. It's so going through customs, and you know, the TSA will always ask you if you've got secondary screening, which um, I don't know if you've ever had. You might do with a beard. I'm not really sure. Um, they always ask this dumbass question, what are you here for? Mm-hmm. And I've already like filled out the form and stuff, so I'm like, oh, I'm, before I could say I'm here to do stand-up comedy, fucking Carl's right on the other side, and he yells out as loud as he can, he said he's the Messiah, he has returned and converted everyone. Oh my god. <laughs> this motherfucker had me in detention for four hours because of this. Right? Now, now here's the thing. Stephen Blessing gets, like, jammed in there for two hours with me just because he's black, which is hilarious to me because I was like... 
I thought they got a little bit more hit to the idea that not all black people are, like, dangerous. And he was like, yeah, no, the, the little fade actually gave me away, so I'm in trouble. I was like, fair enough. Now, here's something, some advice. Some life advice to everyone listening. Never fuck... Never fuck off a brown guy and leave him with a black guy that you just pissed off as well. And then fuck off to New York and leave us in detention so we can find our own way later on. Because we will scheme. We have like four hours between us. We will scheme our asses off about how to get you back. So we did. Essentially, we got to the hotel. The first thing we did was we got two, We got a key card to his room and made sure our room was right opposite the, the hallway. It's one. Two. Uh, and we, I bullshitted my way through that. I told him that we went out and got him some birthday gifts and we wanted to plant it in his room before he got back. That's why we had all the bags with us. Went out to... Um, shit, what is that toy store in New York? There's a toy store in New York that does like horror horror uh, toys. We got two Chucky dolls. Went to Best Buy, bought a webcam. Got back to the hotel room. First we went to Godiva as well to get some chocolates. Took out the chocolates, wrapped it up. Because that fucker's not getting any chocolates. He gets an empty box. Went upstairs into his room and actually wrote down a piece of paper saying, Hey Carl, uh, hey Carl, want to say happy birthday. Didn't want the other guys to get jealous. Gift underneath the bed. You know? Oh my god. Left that on the thing. Stuck this uh, empty chocolate box underneath his bed and put a Chucky doll in front of it where he, he had to kneel down. The first thing you see would be Chucky. Behind his fucking door, we hooked up the Chucky, uh, the Chucky doll, the other one there, to a webcam across the way, so, like, we had a limited range, but we hooked it up so, like, we could get a live feed through. And we sat there, and we're waiting. We're, like, fucking looking through the little eye hole, peep hole thingy, waiting for him to come in. He fucking comes in. He's happy as can be. He's, like, doing his little happy dance and stuff like that, sees this notice on his bed, it's like, oh, this day cannot get any better, looks underneath the fucking bed. And I swear to God, you know in horror movies where someone like jumps back like ten feet and uh, ten feet and hits the wall. Mm-hmm. He did that, but he was like he had one knee bent and one leg straight and just hit his hit himself uh, against the wall. Started screaming hysterically, ran to the door and saw the other Chucky doll there. Didn't realize there was a cam on it. Screamed and passed the fuck out. That's hilarious. And we recorded this shit. I actually showed it at my show that night. Wow. So I went. So going on stage, that was something that we did. And the point of the story is that basically, when you actually start incorporating that humor to who you are and observational stuff to what it is, people will follow you. It's uh, the reason I got back into stand up quite recently was because um, I thought that, like, for some stupid ass reason, I thought, okay, little punchy stories here and there. And then the more I looked at my favorite comedians like Joe Rogan, um, as much as people hate on him, and, you know, I totally get it. I'm with you on this one. It was a scumbag move, but the guy is a fucking hilarious comedian. Louis C.K. or Dave Chappelle or Chris Rock or Richard Pryor or any of the greats, Mm -hmm. what you'll see, even Bill Burr, you'll actually see they all tell really long-ass stories. They tell, like, five stories and interlink them into their show. Like, they all interlink somehow. Mm-hmm. And I realize when you do that with your comedy, it works. And the same thing applies to your sales message. And something that mm-hmm. you've actually highlighted as well as being your weird little self, the best way that I'm finding to get that out there and actually find that voice to really project out is by telling stories that are weird and funny. I'm sure you've seen it. You you mentioned Bill Burr. He's not one of my – he's not my favorite, but he's one of my – I'd say probably top eight or ten. 
And uh, the one where he's talking about his dog, right? The pit bull. Yeah. He's like, and I didn't know that the dog was like, you know, mimicking me or whatever. It's hilarious because he, <laughs> he did in that bit exactly what you just said. He like tells the whole dog story. And then like 20 or 30 minutes later, he ties that back in after he and his girlfriend get into a fight and all that shit. That's exactly it. I mean, it's soap sequence emails on stage. Yep. Nope. It's, it's literally what it is. And in sales, it's the exact same thing. Uh, I mean, on the phone, um, one of the things I love doing with my clients is, A, you have to build credibility right away. I mean, that that's just the truth. But the second and the most important thing, and I do this even, it's like a throwback to my door-to-door selling days. Even if the person is introduced to me, I still have to give them a level of credibility because I'm terribly known for doing this where I don't put myself out there. Like if you said okay, who are the top 10 best copywriters right now, blah, 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 in the UK or whatever it is around the world. I guarantee you, unless you knew me, you wouldn't put my name in that list. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you actually saw my work and see that I've done like $400 million for my clients in the last 10 years, you'd be like, oh, that guy. Right. I, I I find the copywriters thing so interesting because... Most of the people, like once you get into it and you start like understanding who and what and why and how mm-hmm. about who does copywriting, it's like, man, I, I think I've heard that guy's name before, but holy shitballs. It's amazing how many people are are in this industry selling stuff on or off the internet who don't know many of the great copywriters. I mean – I would put Ben Settle up there with most of them. Oh, he's you know? he's in my top ten, hands down. Like Shane is as well. Like those two guys are really great. I obviously I have my opinions of like if we're talking alive and dead. If we're talking dead or alive, I've got my own list. But if we're talking alive, those two mm-hmm. definitely go in that top ten. Yep, for sure. Um, like a lot of people don't know who Caleb O'Dowd is. I've heard the name, and I don't. Uh, you Caleb, know? Caleb was uh, Gary Halbert's last apprentice while he was ah. alive, and this dude is a boss. Like, sold one hundred twenty million dollars in supplements. Holy shit, boss! Through direct mail, like at one point he was getting two dollars per mail piece that he was sending out. Wow. Yeah, unheard of, right? The guy was ridiculous. It's insane. But anyway, kind of jumping back on track because everyone's kind of like, shut the fuck up about all these stories. Maybe they're not. Who knows? But um, one thing I do want to jump into right now is when you're one facet I found with a lot of people, even being their own weird self and even not being their own weird self, they suck at closing. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of people suck at closing. It's one of my biggest pet peeves is that people suck at it. So my question to you is how do you actually set up your closes? I mean, even if it's warm people coming to you, you still have to make the fucking sale. Otherwise, it's like, oh, hey, if you want to work with me, cool. Versus people need to be led. So, yeah, what's your process on it all or thought process on it? People who don't know what they're doing in a sales conversation put all the weight on the close. People who do know what they're doing in a sales conversation and, you know, tie this to your copywriting. All of the actual weight of that Mm -hmm. is done in the qualifying. All of that happens. 98% of it, 97% of it happens beforehand. If somebody makes it all the way through that process, it's a fit. They like you and trust you enough to buy the thing. They can afford it. It is something that they want. It's a simple invitation, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. 
it can be as simple as if that conversation accomplished all the pieces that it need needed to. Cool. That's what it is. That's what it does. That's what it costs. And that's what it'll do for you. Yeah. Would you like some help with that? Right. There's a million different ways to do it. And here's the key piece. Everybody comes to me wanting to know what the golden magic fucking fairy dust phrase is to close random prospects. Bullshit. Doesn't work that way. If you've got the wrong prospect, the only way you can close them is a hard close. Square peg, round hole. Yep. If you've got the right prospect, do you fucking want it or not? Pretty that's, much. That's how I do it. Um, and it's also going to be a little different. When I was selling corporate business-to-business finance, if it was a six- or seven-figure contract, that closes a little different than, do you want the fucking course to teach you how to get clients? They're different conversations. They accomplish the same thing. Here's the last thing I'll say about that to kind of to wrap that thought up. Most people spend all their time on the sales piece, whether they think that's the whole conversation or they think that's the, the closing bit at the end of that conversation trying to get that other person's money when really they should be spending all of their time on the prospecting. It's the same thing. 97 or 98% of the close actually occurs during the qualifying process. And 70, or 97 or 98% of all of the closed clients actually come from the work you did in the prospecting, finding the right clients. Mm-hmm. I mean, sounds a little. this is going to sound a little contrarian to people listening to this and not realizing what I meant. So I want to clarify on that. Landon and I are actually both on the same wavelength. My personal belief is when I say the closing bit pisses me off, here's what I mean. People doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And by doing it wrong, I mean they haven't built up any of the close previously because the close isn't just the ending. It's how you essentially set the whole thing up. It's kind of like the best way I can use this is a boxing analogy. You don't throw a haymaker. You don't keep throwing haymakers and hope to God that wins. Or you don't throw just a jab the entire time hoping that gets you enough points. You need to put it all together. You need to mix it between a jab, a right hook, a cross, haymaker, just see what's up. It really helps out. And it's essentially getting that that prospect in a position where they know you, they like you, they trust you, you massage them all the way along. And then you ask for the sale because at that point they're like, yeah, here's my money. It's totally good to go. The problem I have is with salespeople that do this, and I'll tell you what it is because I've had it a million times. I'm sure you have too. It's not even, do you want me to help you with that? It's, okay, cool, this is the thing I've got. This is how much it is. Cool, great. Okay, bye. Mm-hmm. Let me know Let me know when we can get started. Yep. I'm like, what are you doing? They're, they want you to, like, if you want the fairy dust clothes that magically works for people that know, like, and trust you, here it is. Landon's already told you. I've already told you. If you were listening, you would have heard it. If you weren't listening... That's fine too because it wasn't too open. So here goes for the exact open way of doing it. Here's what you do next, and then tell them. Mm-hmm. You you don't even leave it around to chance. You say, "Here's what we're doing." By the way, this is what I want. You in? Yes, I'm totally in. Cool. Here's my link. Go there. Sign up. Done. You've if you've done the conversation the right way, and and when I say the conversation, I'm talking about. From the moment the prospect knew anything about you all the way to that statement. If you've done that process right, you've led them through that process by asking them questions. 
Yeah. Even if you're a copywriter and you're not asking questions, you're answering questions in their head. By the time you get to the sale, if you just give them, if you hand over the power of that conversation, you're going to be broke. Yep. Right? You've maintained power all the way through. You need to fucking tell them what to do. Yeah. Like the only time that, even so I'd say, the only time that you can let them have perceived power of a conversation is when you ask the question, do you have any questions for me? And that's really more or less like, tell me what your objectives are, like your objections are so I can actually answer your questions for you and get them out of the way. Here's one for you and, and your audience that I want to kind of try and help everybody understand. Here's the deal. If I'm talking about myself, if I'm the one doing most of the talking, if I'm the one that has the right to answer questions, I internally feel like I'm in charge. A good salesperson does nothing but ask questions. And here's what a sales conversation should look like. And if you're really intelligent, you can totally equate this to written copy as well. The 80-20 of a sales conversation is 80% of the time the prospect is talking. You're talking 20%. And of that 20%, 80% of that, you're asking questions. If you're the one asking questions and you've got a, a simple formula to lead you through that conversation to get the info you need, you're actually in charge of the conversation because you're asking questions. Though they feel, because they're talking about them, they're talking most, and they're the ones answering questions, that they're in charge. Guess what? They are not. By the time you get to that last statement, and you can say it a hundred million different ways, here's what I want you to do next. They mm -hmm. feel like they're in charge because they feel like they have the decision. If it's the right fit, they can't afford it, and they do trust you, they buy it. Yeah, it's essentially that, guys. That That's probably... I think Landon has literally saved you five years, I'd say, of trying to figure this shit out on your own and maybe a year's worth of like doing door-to-door -door or telephone telesales. Thank him as much as you will. Please message him on his group and thank him for this because I guarantee you, you will fucking thank him. It will make you money. Now, that being said, my favorite portion of my show, and I do love asking this question. I haven't really asked this question for a while, so you're going to be the first recipient, I think, of this uh, of this season that gets this. So you ready? Guinea pig. Damn right. Well, they other people have asked it, but, you know, no one in the season so far, so you're, you're kind of like question 2.0 version of this thing so we all know people go through highs and lows of shit right in mm -hmm. terms of their business you know you feel happy one day depressed another that shit goes on my question for you is when your confidence is so fucking rocked like to your sheer foundations of who you are what do you do to get your ass back up i recognize that there is only one version of me on this planet we're all on a roller coaster and it's up to me to pull myself up by my bootstraps, right? I do have, um, I'm an emotional being, right? You can hear my voice. If you've seen my picture, I look like a tough dude. I'm an emotional person. I have a, a small internal little crew of people that I can rely on for, you know, feedback on that. But I was, to be totally honest, I was rocked to the core yesterday with my confidence. Every day is a new day, and it's up to me on what I experience in life. 
there's a million different ways to say it, but you got to take 100% responsibility for your own shit. Buckle up, buttercup. It's a ride. Pretty much. Sometimes you want to throw your hands up in the air. Other times you want to hold down and scream for help. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we all go through those days. But that's really true, though. Like, taking responsibility for what's going on is true. Is the most truest thing, but it's so commonplace, people kind of, like, have become conditioned to just, like, oh, yeah, I totally get it, but they don't really understand it emotionally. Mm-hmm. So do you mind if I add one little thing on the back end of your advice? Sure. That is quite simply... Um, you're 100% in charge, cool, and sometimes you can say to me, but Adel, I can't control how so-and-so went down or how this client responded or the fact I got fired. True, you you could have, but you can't right now, so my advice to you is simple. What can you control inside your world right now? Stop, mm-hmm. con- stop by taking control back over that. It's like, okay, I can eat. Pick your food. Don't say you don't know, pick your damn food. Little steps of like regaining control like that will actually put you right back to where you want to be. Or so I found my own stuff. Especially as of late. Okay, so my last question to you, as this has been such a fun show, we're totally getting you back on in the future. Actually, it's two questions. The first one is, do you want to come back for another season? Because we'd love to have you back on. Fucking A, Batman. Damn right, that's how we do it. And the second question I have, it's really... A summary of what we've spoken about. So, for the people that, you know, read the notes or whatever it is, or, you know, listen to this as they will, and they've just taken copious amounts of notes, what three pieces of advice, could be sales, could be what we talk about, could be anything, what three pieces of advice would you give to someone, like an entrepreneur that is going through that motion of just before they found their voice, like, or just before they hit that breakthrough, what advice would you give them? Yep. It would really be totally understand and be okay with the fact that there will be people that don't like you. The only way you're going to get what you want is to put yourself out there in one way or another. And if you just say, okay, cool. Some people aren't going to like me, but I'm going to fucking do this because I need to. That's the first piece. The second piece is None of us are perfect, but don't back down. If somebody's giving you shit, if somebody's calling you out, somebody's giving you a hard time, take it for what it is and move on. If you've got a hater, you're up a step. And the third piece of it would be consistency. Your marketplace wants to know who you are and why you care about what you care about. Tell them. If you can do those three things, you will break through. Fucking A. It's pretty much a badass statement for a hard one. Guys, wrapping up this show, it's going to be an awesome, well, it's an awesome episode. It's going to be an awesome season. As you probably heard, uh, Landon is a fucking boss. Dude, Thanks. thank you so much for actually being here. Yeah, absolutely, Adil. Thank I'm, you for having me on. I'm really glad that the logistical thing actually ended up happening because I guarantee you, if we had this podcasting conversation like months ago, we would not have this level of conversation. Totally a fact. Yeah, like we're both in better places is what we do. So guys, go check out Landon's group on Facebook, Gorilla Juice. I'm a member there. You can find me. That's all fun. Um, it's a fucking awesome place to be, I gotta, I gotta admit. Plus, answer the questions. Don't be a dick and answer, answer, write stupid shit. Make him laugh. It always works. Uh, and, the ne- and the next thing I'm going to say realistically is um, when he launches his site, just whatever it is, follow it. We'll have links in the description. There's always an update them where we can. Um as always, go write a review, 
like this, comment it, share it if you loved it. Reach out to Landon, annoy the shit out of him, make fun of his beard. I'm sure he'll make fun of yours. It's what we do. Uh, take care, guys. I'll see you on the next episode. Peace out, Cub Scouts. <laughs>